0: Well, good morning again. Uh, We're glad you guys are here with us this morning. This morning, we're starting a brand new series called Bless. And I want to start us off with just a few questions. One is a little bit surface, and the other one's going to take us a little bit deeper. But how many of you this morning would say that you feel blessed? Raise your hand if you would say you feel blessed. Excellent. Uh, Now, the question that's going to to take us a little bit deeper is this. When you think about what it means to be blessed— do you have an idea of what that means? Like, do you have an understanding of what that really means when we say the word blessed? When we think about what it means to be blessed, do we have a true understanding of what that means? Because I think for most of us, when we think about being blessed, we often confuse blessing with a happy mood or a good experience. And we don't really think that deeply about what it means to be blessed, that often we just think kind of shallow when it thinks, when we think about being blessed. We live in a humble brag, hashtag blessed world, right? And so when we think about blessed, we think about comfort, we think about all these good things. And so I just want to challenge us a little bit, a little bit deeper this morning. And I want to ask you, um, I have a picture here and, and I want to show this. I want, I want to ask you if. If you can look like this and be blessed. And what you can't see in this bottom corner here is um, this person lying in the bed has had their leg amputated. They are on life support and they will end up being in a coma for the next two months. And not leave the hospital for two and a half years. So my question is, can you look like this? Can you be in this situation and be blessed. I want us to hear uh, this morning from that person, Rachel Lindsay. If you would go ahead and join me up here. Now Rachel has shared her story before, and uh, I'm just so excited. God has really worked in her life, and we're going to let her have a, a seat. As I mentioned, she does have a prosthetic. Leg here, and many of you guys will remember it was just about six months ago you got baptized as a part of River Rock Bible Church, and so um, I'd just love for you to share share with us a little bit of your story. Okay. Hello everyone, can you hear me? Can you oh. Hear me. Give us one second. Okay. We'll get it turned on. All right, I, you should be good to go now. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes.
1: Okay, great. Uh, my name is actually Rachel Ott. Um, my Lindsay is my ex-husband's last name. Um, I'm Rachel Ott. Um, and So I'd like to start with my life before the plane crash. Um, you might all know that I was in a plane crash in 2007, um, August 5th, 2007, with my boyfriend. It was his plane, and it crashed in South Lake Tahoe, and he died on impact. I was saved. My life was saved. I was like... Pastor Charlie said, I was in the hospital for two years, a little over two years, two years and a couple months, never went home, transferred to about four different hospitals. But I'd like to start with my life before the plane crash. I was 26 years old when the crash happened. Um, I was very young. I had my life going for me, college degrees, um, just... Robert Neal Rollins was my boyfriend um, that was the pilot of the plane. He was also a carpenter. He had his own business with his father. He had his, a beautiful home, a couple beautiful custom motorcycles. I mean, if we think of blessed, we would think that would be blessed, Right but he used to fly me um, to Napa just for dinner. I'd have a glass of wine, he'd treat me. We went to Disneyland, landed in LAX um, airport. We traveled all up and down California on the motorcycles and the airplane. So um, that was my life before the plane crash. Um, After the crash, It was very difficult for a long time for me. It, 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 I can't even describe the pain I've, I've been through. Um, my family, my friends in the hospital. Um, but the love that I received after the crash um, was indescribable my family and friends were there for me every day, especially my mom and dad. They, they, gave, they gave up their lives to help me heal. Um, when I was in a coma, they wanted to pull me off life support, and my parents said no. And they said, well, if she ever does wake up and... Um, uh, pull through. She'll be a vegetable. She'll be in a vegetable state. She won't be able to eat. She won't be able to talk, walk. Um, uh, you know what a vegetable looks like, right? <laughs> it uh, just sits there and does I wouldn't be. I had um, my skull cracked in the crash. My right arm broke in half. My left foot. Um, broke in five different spots. I was burnt, 38% of me was burnt from the waist down. Um, They amputated my foot a couple weeks after um, I was put in ICU. Um, My stomach was open for a few days because it was so internally um, hurt from the seatbelt injury. Um, I lost my spleen, I lacerated my liver, um, my colon, part of my colon was taken out, um, and, um, about, it's funny cause I just got my, um, medical records and, um, I had some help from a friend last night to review it and, um, this whole time my mom and dad and family has been telling me what happened to me and, when your daughter's dying, um, it's kinda hard to remember details. So um I was actually released from um the ICU unit when I woke up um about two weeks, I think it was two weeks later after the first day of the crash. Um, um I then, I then was transferred from Reno um, in a helicopter back to California. And I was um, in the San Francisco Burn Center. Then from there, they put me to another hospital and then another hospital. So a total of two years and two months and five hospitals.
0: Yeah, so after two, almost two and a half years, um, you're finally released from the hospital. Yeah. And uh, tell us about the changes that your life went through at that point?
1: Well, um, when I was released from the last rehabilitation hospital, I, had, I couldn't walk because I didn't have a left foot. So um, I was in a wheelchair for a while. My back broke. My L1 broke. It burst. Um, so I had to wear a, a back, like a whole... Um, brace around my whole body. I couldn't move. I was like this. I, I, my parents lived in a three-story house in the Oakland Hills in California. So I had to scoot down on my butt every day um, to get up and down the stairs because the bedrooms were downstairs. It was horrific, horrific, my healing process. It took about a total of nine years before I was able to actually think on my own Um, during the healing process I, I couldn't be without my mother like I would be scared if she walked two feet from me it was it was I was so scared and I would look at myself in the mirror and think who could ever I would just bawl like I would look at myself all the burns and my left foot amputated and my scars everywhere and I was large when I got home from the hospital because I couldn't move I couldn't move and my mom kept giving me milkshakes. <laughs> every day I'd get chocolate milkshakes. <laughs> when you can't move and you drink milkshakes every day, you kind of gain a lot of weight. But when I came home from the hospital, I weighed like hundred pounds. So it was a life changing, traumatic, horrible. I had brain injuries, three brain bleeds, a cracked skull. So um, I wasn't able to think on my own. I was scared, I was fearful. Then I went through um, a terrible relationship. I disowned my family. Thank God they prayed for me. And I came through because my sister lives here in Texas. And um, she allowed me to come here and stay with her. Thank the Lord. I was not in a good state of mind. I was angry. I I was hurt. I was fearful. I was in Charlie's community group um, the first month I moved here, two years ago, and I was so scared. I was, sh- I, I was shaking. I was just, it was, a, it was a really bad place for me.
0: Yeah. And then over that time, over the last couple of years, you've been attending small group, you've been attending River Rock, and then something happened. Tell us about that. When you... Uh, came to know Christ as your savior?
1: Oh, so it was a process. Um, It wasn't like it happened in one day, and then all of a sudden I knew Christ, and my life was great. Um, It it, it took some time, but I was devoted, and I was eager, and I was hungry to know the Lord. I I just, I wanted to heal. I wanted wanted to, I looked at other people that were so happy, and you know, we all, uh, I don't know if we all do this, but I used to do this a lot, look at other people and think, gosh, they're so happy. I want to be like them. Or they look so good. Or, you know, I'd see a girl in a bathing suit and be like, oh, I just want to look like her. She's beautiful. And, but I got to know Christ, and I, I, I found out that the, the love that he has for me, the deep love, that, and he knows my heart. And the process of knowing Christ, getting to know him. Being baptized here at River Rock, discipleship through friends, um, my family forgiving me, um, people praying for me, and it's just been a beautiful, beautiful, it's 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 just like a butterfly, how they go through um, um, the, cocoon. Uh, the cocoon, and then they go through, oh, what's, I'm blanking the name, I'm missing the name. Um, how they transform. They go from a, a caterpillar to a beautiful blossom into a beautiful butterfly. And that's how I feel. I feel like just because my skin and my body and everything doesn't look normal, you know, um, kids, they kind of get scared when they see my leg, things like that. I've got scars all over my lower body. 38% of me was burnt. So, um,
0: So So, your life before, I mean, just flying to Napa for dinner and a glass of wine, traveling, um, you know, all these amazing material things in your life, most of us, like that's what we would post on Twitter and Instagram, hashtag blessed. Which life would you say is more blessed? Your life before the crash or your life since coming to know Christ?
1: Well, I would definitely say my life after the plane crash is the most blessed life because i know i know christ saved me that plane crash I, I mean the odds were totally against me there was no i mean they didn't think i would pull through did you show them the pictures yeah yeah there's there's
0: a couple the plane crash yeah. one
1: okay yeah well i mean it was there the I was in a plane crash. <laughs> the person I was with, the pilot died on impact saving me. He took off his seatbelt and covered me. And that's the only reason why I live. I lived. Christ Christ. Jesus Christ saved me. John 15:13 says, "Greater love has no one than this: to lay down one's life for one's friends." To know that Jesus saves all of us from our terrible sins, th- our thoughts, our words we speak, our actions. Uh, Jesus Christ is the most beautiful man. I- I- I'm just, I pray to be like him every day because who can love like him? Mm-hmm. And for me to know that I was saved in a plane crash by a person that. That saved my life, my boyfriend, Robert, Neil Rollins, and Jesus Christ was there. It was orchestrated. I mean, we crashed next to a flea market, not over the lake, not in the hills of Tahoe. You know, it was... Rob, he turned the plane so that we wouldn't... He could have landed, but we would have killed hundreds of people at a huge flea market every Sunday... Um, in South Lake Tahoe, he turned the plane, we hit a hundred year old tree and snapped it and half the plane blew up. So if that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. The, there was a sheriff, there was a nurse, there was um, a welder that pulled me out. Um, they were all there. Um, it was so orchestrated by Jesus and um, I feel so blessed after I mean, believe me, it was a great life I had before, but it was all superficial. It was happy. Yeah, look at us, you know. Oh, it wasn't deep. I always loved God, but I didn't have the connection, the, the, the relationship, direct relationship with Jesus like I do now. I mean, I, he speaks to me through people, through experiences, through church, children. mm mm-hmm.
0: Well, thank you so much for You're sharing welcome. your story. You're thank welcome. you very much. You're Will you guys give her a hand? Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Rachel, for sharing your story. What an amazing story. And I hope what you heard throughout her story. Was this idea of blessing because most of us think of blessing as comfort or things going our way or stuff or experiences. But what I heard when I heard Rachel's story, as she shared it, the one thing that stood out to me was that true blessing was not in the stuff, it wasn't in the experiences, it was in the relationships. It was in the relationships that she had, primarily the relationship that we have with God. And as we look at scripture this morning, one of the things that we're going to see is that from the first chapter of scripture to the last chapter of scripture, God blesses. God is in the blessing business. From beginning to end, that's what scripture shows us. And I want us to turn, uh, first thing we're gonna see is that God's plan begins and ends with blessing. If you have your Bibles or you're on the Bible app, go ahead and open to Genesis chapter one, and we're gonna look at verse 28. Very first chapter of scripture, it says, God bless them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. So from the very beginning, God empowers humanity. He empowers humanity to be fruitful, to do something meaningful and to subdue the earth, to increase in number. God gives his people everything they need to flourish. And that's God's desire for us, that we would flourish on this planet. Now I want us to go to Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter of Scripture. Revelation chapter 22, beginning in verse 14, he says, what? He says, blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, a callback to the garden. And he says, they may enter the city gates. So scripture begins in a garden and it ends in a city. And what we see is from beginning to end that it's about blessing. When he created the earth, when he created humanity, God's design was not for there to be conflict or pain or wars or selfishness, but his design was that humanity would thrive, that we would flourish, that we would experience his blessing on this earth. And that happens through relationship with the source of life. That we know is God. God is the source of life. And it's through relationship with him that we have true blessing. In his book, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, uh, uh, Cornelius Plantinga uh, writes about God's original intent. And he says that the webbing together of all the things that God has created, uh, his creation, humanity, and God himself, the webbing together of all these things, originally was designed for shalom. Now, when you and I hear the word shalom, we often think about peace. We think about the absence of war or a calm state of mind. But in the Hebrew, a Hebrew prophet or a Hebrew writer, shalom was so much greater. Shalom was was the idea of harmony. Everything working together so that there was peace and harmony throughout their lives. And what we know is that when God originally created the earth, his design was for every single one of us to experience the blessing of shalom, that overwhelming peace in our lives, that everything would be working in harmony and that our lives would flourish. But something happened. And what happened was that sin entered the world. The thing that disrupts the harmony, the peace, the blessing that God desires is human sin, and when human sin enters the world through Adam and Eve, and then through you and I as humans, we know that that harmony is disrupted, and all of creation is broken, and we miss out on that blessing. We become selfish, we become self-destructive, self-obsessed, and the destroyer of all these blessings is our own sin, and that leads us to look at smaller things instead of the big things, right? It's, it's that sin that leads us to look at the, the experiences, the, the shallow things of this life and say, oh, that's what blessing is, rather than looking at the big things that God desires for us, the relationship that he desires for us, and to say, that's where true blessing lies. So from beginning to end, we see that Scripture clearly tells us that God's plan is to bless us The second thing I want us to see is this. We see this very clearly in the life of Abraham that God's desire is to bless us, but we're also going to see with Abraham that God's people are blessed to be a blessing. God's people are blessed to be a blessing. God's desire is not that we would take a blessing and hoard it for ourselves, but his desire is to make us a blessing for other people. And I want us to look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. God's promise to Abraham, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a what? What does it say? You will be a a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all people on the earth will be blessed through you. So very clearly, we see here that God is going to have a special relationship with Abraham. He says I'm entering into a covenant and you and I are going to have a special relationship and through that relationship you are going to be blessed. And as I bless you Abraham, you are going to be a blessing to other people. And notice that God doesn't say, "Hey, you're going to have to go out and do all these things to bless other people." He just says, "Just by the nature of being blessed by me, others are going to be blessed through you. That is my design, is that that blessing would be passed on. He makes a couple promises. He says, I will make you into a people. Abraham's descendants are the nation of Israel. He says, I'll make your name great. We know that Abraham is the father of two major religions and of the Jewish people. And in response to the blessing, he doesn't have to go out and make something happen. He just has to maintain that relationship with God and that others would be blessed through that. And he says, all people will be blessed through you. He says, Abraham, I'm calling you to be in a relationship with me. And my intent is that all people of the earth would be blessed through you. And God gives his people everything they need for that. He gives them everything they need for that. We know that through the law of Moses, he tells them what is, what is holy and what is unholy, what is wholesome, And what is harmful. And he equips them to know these things. He gives them the law through Moses. And then eventually he gives the the Jewish people, he gives them a Messiah who would die for their sins to take away their guilt that they could have a permanent relationship with God. And we know from scripture that that Messiah, Jesus Christ, was not just for the Jewish people, but it was for the entire world. And so God fulfills his promise that all nations would be blessed through Abraham and we see this idea that the blessing is to be passed on, that when God blesses us, it's meant to be passed on. Now, for most of us, when we think about that, we struggle with that because in, in our mind, if God blesses me and I'm meant to pass on that blessing, what we typically think is that God's going to give something to me and then I have to give it away, right? Right? That, that's typically how we think. And in our minds, in our human math mindset, we think, well, if I give it away to someone else and I bless them, that means I have less. But we don't take into account kingdom math. You see, I believe the way God has designed us is that we can't fully appreciate, we can't fully enjoy a blessing until we give it away, right? We can't fully enjoy it until we share it with someone else. Think about your favorite football team. Right? Think about your favorite football team. You watch an amazing game. I remember when I was a kid, I got to go to a Houston Oilers game, and I was there at the the time that they had the greatest comeback in NFL history. And everyone walked out of that stadium and nobody talked about it. I went to school the next day and I didn't share it with any of my friends. My brother and I didn't stay up late that night talking about how awesome it was. No. I went to school and I told everybody about every play. We were down by this many and we came back. Now, later in the playoffs, they would lose to the Bills and that would then become the greatest comeback in NFL history. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the game that I was at when the Houston Oilers had the greatest comeback in NFL history up to that point. And what did I do? I was excited about it. We started singing the fight song, Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers number one. We got the offense, we got the, d- anybody, anybody know that song? All right, so I, I remember walking out in thousands of fans walking out of the Astrodome singing the Houston Oilers fight song. We were celebrating, we were sharing it with other people. Why? Because it brought, it brought the full enjoyment of that experience. Anyone in here ever hit a hole in one? Anybody? We got one, hit a hole in one. All right, anybody, two? Anybody ever know someone that hit a hole in one? All right, how many times have you heard that story? All right, so the wind wind was blowing, and I lined up, right? Imagine hitting a hole in one and not being able to tell anyone. That kind of kills it, right? What's the point? If I can't tell anyone, what's the point? It reminds me of a pastor who he had been uh, preaching and preaching and preaching, week in, week out, hadn't had vacation in a long time. Finally, one Sunday morning, he wakes up. The weather's perfect. It's a beautiful day. The birds are chirping. The sun is out, perfect temperature. And so he calls one of the elders, and he lies. And he says, I'm sick. I can't preach today. You're going to have to do it for me. And he goes golfing. Well, he lines up on the first hole, takes his swing, boom, hole in one. He's like, man, that has never happened before in my life. Hits a hole in one, and he thinks, you know, par three, no big deal. Goes to the next hole. Boom, hole in one. 18 holes. 18 holes, he gets a hole in one. Even on the par five, he lines up, hits a hole in one, and one of the angels standing next to God says, God, he lied to get out of preaching this morning and going to church so that he could play golf. How can you let him do this? And God just looks over at the angel and says, yeah, but who's he going to (laughs) tell? He can't tell anybody. Now imagine hitting that hole in one and you can't share that with anyone. God has wired us so that we get the full benefit, we get the full joy of our blessing by sharing it with other people. And the reality is we know this, we experience this, something good happens in our life and we just can't wait to share it. And so we see that in the the kingdom math, the way things work is not that we hoard it to ourselves. The way that God desires us uh, for us to experience this is that we would share it with others. That God blesses and he intends for us to pass along those blessings to other peoples. God has wired us to desire that personal flourishing and he desires for us to pass it along that we would have a life where our gifts are used, that our value would be great, and that our connections with others would flow and be meaningful. There's a, there's a desire in every single one of us, deeply embedded in every single one of us, to experience blessing and to share that with others so that we can experience the fullness of joy. When we think about blessing, uh, we think about all these things— um, yeah, I, I think about a study that I, I came across of a missiologist, that's someone who, who studies missions, and he was doing a study in Thailand of these 12 missionary organizations. These 12 missionary organizations, and he was going to study them over a two-year period and find out what, what was the key to their success. And now, six of those organizations were focused purely on blessing people. Their idea was they were going to move to Thailand and they were going to build great businesses and they were going to develop meaningful connections with people. They were going to help the community simply by starting great businesses and they were going to share the gospel along the way because that's who they were, right? But their primary goal was just going to bless the people of Thailand. The other six missionary organizations, their only goal was conversion, the only thing that they were going to do was to see people converted to Christianity. And I, I want you to think, in honor of football, football season kicked off last week. We have a little scoreboard here. Uh, and so I want you to think in your mind about what happened. What happened? Well, let's, let's look at some of the things that happened. Uh, let's compare the blessers versus the converters. The first thing is the blessers saw a, a tremendous amount of social good. They were creating businesses that were creating jobs for people. They were training people. They were helping people improve their lives. And as they did this, they started to see connection with more and more people. Let's go on to the next one. We see that they had many connections after two years. Those whose primary goal was to bless had thousands of relationships, Thousands of relationships. They had a network of people that they were connected to. Whereas the converters, they had very few people. Because what would happen is they would go in and they would share the gospel. And if you didn't respond, then fine, I'll move on to the next person. And I'll share the gospel with them. And if they don't respond, then fine, I'm moving on to the next person. So they had very few relationships. And then the last thing is that the blessers had built trust. The blessers had built trust. Whereas the converters, they were viewed as pushing an agenda. The blessers had built trust because people realized that, hey, they actually care about us. They're actually trying to help us. They're doing what they said they were going to do. Whereas the converters, they weren't so concerned about their business. They didn't really care about the business. It was just a front to get them in the country. And they were viewed as pushing an agenda. That they were viewed as some, someone who's coming in, telling the people of Thailand, your religion is bad, our religion is good, follow us, and if you don't, then... We're going to move on. So before we put the new scoreboard up, I want you to think. What do you think the score was after two years? What do you think? What are some guesses? Somebody throw something out. 21 to 3. 22. What else? What do you think? Someone else. Give us one more. Give us a What is that? 49 to 6. All right, let's, let's see what the final score was after two years. 96 to 2. The blessers saw 96 people come to faith in Jesus Christ simply by building relationships and blessing other people, whereas the converters, those who were solely focused on sharing the gospel and not on the relationship, only saw two. Now, You could look at this and say, well, we need to be against sharing the gospel. And that's not it. We are for sharing the gospel. But the reality is this, that when we take the gospel out of relationship, and we say, hey, you believe these four things, and I'll see you later, right? What we end up communicating is God loves you, but I don't. God cares about you, but I don't. And people see through that. And they want nothing to do with it. Because the true blessing comes through that relationship. The the gospel itself is inherently relationship. And we see this very clearly in Jesus' own life. We see that the mission of Jesus was to bring blessing. And we see it in three different ways. We see it in his message. We see it in his miracles. And we see it in his mission. I want us to look at Luke chapter 4 beginning in verse 18. Luke chapter 4 verse 18 This is Jesus' first sermon, where he stands up in the synagogue and he reads from the scroll in Isaiah, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives, and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus stands up and he says, here's my message that I've come to bring the kingdom of God and as the kingdom of God comes and increases and as people begin to put their trust in Jesus Christ, what you're gonna see is those who are wrongly oppressed are gonna be restored. Those who are, who are poor are gonna be blessed. And then he talks about his miracles. He talks about his miracles. Now, he talks about healing the blind. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but in Jesus' day, that if you had some sort of physical ailment, That you were outcast from society, that you were considered to be under God's punishment. If you had good health, they believed that you were hashtag blessed. If you had bad health, then you were hashtag cursed. And so to be blind or to be a leper, you were not only struck with that disease, but you were put out of society. And so when Jesus comes and he heals the blind and he heals the lepers, he doesn't just restore their physical health, he restores them back into relationship with other people. And he blesses them. And he blesses them. I want us to look at one last passage. Jesus' mission. What Jesus says his mission is in Luke 19.10. He says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost the lost. Jesus' mission was to bring blessing. And what he's saying is that my mission was to come and to find those who are separated from God, to die on the cross for their sins, and to be raised from the dead on the third day, so that those who would put their trust in me, who would stop relying on their own good works, but they would trust in me that I was God's Son, who died for their sins, that they could enter into a permanent relationship with God the Father. His mission was to bring that blessing. His mission was to bring that blessing. We've seen this morning from the beginning to end that, that God's desire is to bless us. His word begins and ends with blessing. We've seen that when God blesses us, that He blesses us so that we can pass that blessing on to others and see that Jesus' own mission is is to bless others, that his mission was to bring blessing. And here's the reality is that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been blessed beyond all measure. You have been blessed beyond all measure. And just like Abraham was called to pass that blessing on to others, we are called to pass that blessing on to others. I want to remind us of our mission as a church. Our vision is to reach every man, woman, and child with the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. We've said, said this often that in order to reach every man, woman, and child, it will take every man, woman, and child. We all have to be participating. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you ha- we need you participating in this mission and vision of reaching every man, woman, and child with the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. Now, I know when we hear that, a lot of us get nervous. We get anxious because, well, how do I do that? How do I do that? I don't know how to go about doing this uh, in a way that's, that's going to be effective. I don't know how to engage people. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Well, that's what we're going to be covering over the next three weeks. We want to give you a, a way to enter into people's lives that you could be a blessing to them. And we believe that as you enter into people's lives and as you bless them, that we will start to see relationships made that will lead to people coming to faith in Jesus Christ as we share that blessing, as we pass it on to them. So I just want to give you a high-level overview of where we're going with this series. Um, BLESS is actually an acronym, and and it stands for five missional practices. Five missional practices that as we implement them in our lives, we are able to bless other people. And the first one is begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. This is as simple as letting people know that you're praying for them. And I know some of you are thinking like, Like my boss, like I should tell my boss that I'm praying for him? Yeah, absolutely. Now, how you do that uh, matters, right? So you don't walk up to somebody and say, I am praying for you. Of all the people I know, I am praying for you because you obviously need it, right? No, that's not how we do it. How we do it is we just say, hey, man, I'm praying for you this week. And I was just wondering, is there any way that I could pray specifically for you? So we just begin praying for them. We begin with prayer. Second is that we listen with care. This is a struggle for us in this day and age because most of us know that we don't listen to understand anymore. We don't listen to actually try to hear what people are saying. We listen so that we can respond, right? We want to we wanna win that argument so we don't actually listen anymore. We need to listen with care. And we do that by asking good questions. I already gave you one good one. Hey, how can I pray for you this week? That's a great question to ask. Another one is, hey, what are you afraid of? Like, what fears do you have in your life? What's something that you're excited about right now that's happening in your life? And then we just listen to them. And here's the thing is that as we ask those types of questions and we listen to them, the beautiful thing is that when they respond to those questions, typically we hear about where the Holy Spirit is working in their life because we get truth. Another great question is, do you feel like you're making a difference? You feel like you're making a difference because, as I said earlier, I think deep down we are hardwired to desire to make a difference in this world. And when you listen to people respond to that, question, you'll hear where God is already moving in their life. The next one is eat together. Eat together. Most of us in here, uh, pretty much all of us, eat 21 meals a week, right? Some of you are still doing the math. Some of you are wondering if that counts snacking. Others of you are thinking, well, I'm hungry now. I want to be over, right? I'm hungry too, so we'll get out of here pretty quickly. But simply eating together, out of those 21 meals that you eat, 28 if you're a hobbit and you have secondsies, uh, but out of those meals that you eat, can you just give one meal up per week and say, you know what, I want to share this meal with someone else in my life. I want to share this meal with someone else in my life to sit down and just have a conversation to just bless them. What does it look like to do that? And then we move on to serve with love. We serve with love. And I, I, this is one of my favorite ones because uh, as we mentioned earlier, Jesus tells us very clearly that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Is there a neighbor that you can help? Or perhaps maybe you let them serve you. Sometimes that in itself is a blessing to someone else. Sometimes that helps build relationship by allowing yourself to be served. Not being so proud to think that I've got it all down, but you let someone else serve you. And then the last one is share your story and God's. That as you are building this relationship with them, that you would share the blessing of what God has done in your life through Jesus Christ. That you would let them know that that's available for them. And that you would share God's story of how he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be unpacking all of this. We're going to be unpacking all of this and trying to understand more. How do we do these things? And in fact, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Jesus' own life and we're going to see how he did these things in his own life. And we're going to understand because I believe that as a church family, if we would put these five missional practices uh, in play and we would begin, begin living these things out, that it would transform the relationships around us that we would be a blessing to other people. And out of that blessing, we would see friends, neighbors, and coworkers who are being blessed and who are responding ultimately to the greatest blessing, which is God's offering of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. So I'm excited about where we're going over this next year uh, and and where we're going over over this series. And I truly believe that if we will bless people in this way, that it won't be long before we would see every man, woman, and child responding to the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. Now, action steps for this week. I'm not going to let you out of here without action steps, all right? So the first one is this. The first action step for us this week is, would you just share your blessing? Would you just tell someone else about where God has blessed you in your life? And preferably not someone in the faith, but someone outside of the faith. This can be something of, hey, this is something that God taught me. This is something that God did in my life. This is something I've been praying for, and look how God answered. Would you just share that blessing with someone else? Just share the blessing. How many of you would say right now, I'll commit to sharing my blessing, something that God's done in my life with someone else this week? All right. Excellent. Thank you. I'm going to hold you accountable to that. We're going to ask next week. Send me stories. I want to hear how it goes. And then the second one is this. Would you just pick one of these five things and do it this week? Pick one of these five things and do it this week. Would you just begin to pray for someone and let them know you're praying? Would you listen to someone? Ask a good question. Would you just eat with someone? Share a meal? Would you serve someone? Or maybe even share your story and God's? Would you pick one of those this week and just put it into practice? All right? Now, Uh, I'm not going to say you get bonus points if you do all five, but I I might have some gold star next week, right? Might have some gold stars, but I can guarantee you, if you will begin living this way, the gold stars that Jesus Christ will offer you through the joy of sharing your blessing with someone else will far surpass any sticker I could give you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you would be with us as we seek to learn what it means to be blessed, that you would deepen our understanding, that we would know that true blessing is about relationship with you and relationship with others. Lord, would you help every single one of us this week understand what it means to be blessed and how we can pass that blessing on to others. Father, we ask that we would know the life-changing reality of your son, Jesus Christ, and that we would be able to share that with those around us. God, we pray all these things in your son's name, amen.